It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, November 7th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, on the eve of Election Day, we break down voting 101 with the Secretary of State. Then, an ongoing battle between Mississippi's largest hospital and the biggest health insurer. Well, it has left patients without access to critical care, and we'll have more on that. Plus, a mentorship and community support program focuses its efforts on raising up young black youth. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Election Day is tomorrow. On the ballot are each of the four Mississippi congressional district seats, as well as a number of local judge races. As of Sunday, just over 46,000 absentee ballots have been submitted. That's far below the 2020 record high of 230,000 which could mean increased in-person voting at the polls. Secretary of State Michael Watson shares more on what voters need to know ahead of the midterm election. Encourage folks to research the ballots. Uh, you can get a sample ballot, make sure you understand who you're voting for and why you're voting for them. Do your research, make sure that the candidates support the ideas that you think are best for our country and our state. So I uh, just encourage folks to get out and vote. Again, make plans to be at the polls from 7 to 7. And if you are in line by 7 p.m., you will be allowed to vote. What about mail-in absentee voting? Yeah, mail-in absentee voting, if you've uh, requested your your ballot and received that, it has to be cast by Election Day. Uh, And and by that, I mean it has to be postmarked by Election Day and received within five business days thereafter to count. So you got a hard turnaround time uh, to, to request that if you're doing it now. Not so sure you can get that done, but, uh, again, it has to be cast on Election Day, uh, and it has to be postmarked by the, the U.S. Postal Service. Can you deliver it by hand? You cannot. Uh, mail-in ballots have to be uh, mailed in, so uh, the, the law does not allow them to be hand-delivered to our clerk's offices. There is a lot of suspicion surrounding elections, and there's conspiracy theories, as you know. How can you ensure that the election is secure? Yeah, great question. And one, I will start by talking about cybersecurity. Uh, There's been a lot of questions about whether or not folks can hack into machines. And uh, people need to know in Mississippi, you know, our our machines, uh, with the exception of two counties, uh, they cannot connect to the Internet. One of those counties does not allow their machines to connect to the Internet. 
uh, and the other one just allows it to transmit data to Election Central there at their county. So uh, we've got a very safe system in Mississippi. I like to remind folks that it is a decentralized uh, system. I also like to remind people that it's a bottom-up state here in Mississippi, which means the hard work really is done at the local level by our clerks and our commissioners. Uh, we've got weekly calls with our clerks and commissioners. We've got weekly calls with all of those secretaries as well, not to mention with C, uh, CISA, uh, DHS, and uh, several other partners. We've got a clean bill of health recently. Uh, we did some pen testing on our systems. Uh, so Mississippi's information is safe, the Secretary of State's office. And again, I, I think the key piece here is just the communication and the teamwork that we've seen with our circuit clerks and commissioners around the state, moving forward as a team to make sure that our elections are safe and secure. Several pieces of legislation that passed last year in the session uh, to, again, make, uh, make the effort and the focus on the integrity of the process uh, so you'll be seeing all new machines by 2024 uh, that are paper-based. Uh, so you have a reliable paper trail. Most of uh, the counties now have those. The majority of the counties have those. So only a few are left to transition there. But we could talk about a lot of things. But I'm very proud of Mississippi Mississippi's system as a whole. I voted in elections where it was a paper ballot. It, once you place your vote, you slip it in, and it takes it into the machine. Are those machines accessible at all? How how do you make sure that they're protected and no one but the chosen folks can get into it? Right. So the, the chain of custody piece is, is really important. And uh, I just like to remind people as well, uh, those machines are always locked up. Uh, and before each election, they go through LNA testing. And that's a public event. So if people want to come see those machines being tested, that's, that's absolutely on the table. You can go do that. Uh, that's clearly already happened. With, we're just a few days away from the election here in Mississippi. Uh, but those machines are locked up. They are then delivered to the precincts uh, with a close eye held on them. And then clearly we have great poll workers out there across our state who run the precincts to make sure they're safe. Uh, bailiffs are there. Uh, and I like to encourage people as well, when you go to your precinct, if you see something that maybe, you know, that doesn't look quite right, uh, we encourage folks to call us, call the circuit clerk, call uh, local law enforcement if something's going on there. Uh, just for your listeners right now, our hotline is 1-800-829-6786. Uh, so just let them know, again, reach out to us if they see something that's going on that they don't think quite right. Uh, all of us working together as a team is, is what ensures the integrity of the process. So uh, I'm looking forward to a great election day here in Mississippi. I'm wondering if a worker leans one party way or another, how do you ensure that their position isn't imposed on the voter? That's a great question, and we tell all of our election officials as well as our poll workers, look, you've got to be unbiased. Uh, we've got to present a, a clean and safe and a fair election process here in Mississippi. You've got to be above reproach. So we, we train them with our uh, you know, managers to be aware of those situations. Uh, when folks come in to vote, they shouldn't be influenced one way or the other. Uh, that's a, the key point of democracy. Uh, when you walk into a ballot box, it's supposed to be safe and secure. Uh, you're supposed to have privacy, and uh, we try to drill that into the heads of all of our poll managers and, and workers out there. So a very key piece there, and I'm glad you mentioned that because if you do see something like that going on, if you do see a poll manager or uh, someone in the polls pressuring people to vote a certain way, please let us know. That's very important that we know that information so we can reach out and remind them, hey, look, you're, you're, you're supposed to be above reproach. Uh, these, these folks desire and deserve the opportunity to cast up a private ballot. Uh, w with no pressure whatsoever. 
Secretary of State Michael Watson, thank you for bringing us up to speed, giving us a, a reminder of what we need to do and not do coming up on Election Day, November 8th. Absolutely. Let's go vote, Mississippi. Polls will open at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning and remain open until 7 in the evening. If you're in line at 7, stay in line. You can vote. Coming up, an ongoing battle between Mississippi's largest hospital and the biggest health insurer has left patients without access to critical care. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It's been eight months since Mississippi's largest hospital and the state's biggest insurer parted ways. That's left many patients without access to affordable health care for specialized and critical needs. As the Gulf States Newsroom's Shalina Chatlani reports, contract disputes between hospitals and insurers are common, but for this one, there's still no resolution in sight. When Kylie Silverman has trouble with her hearing aid, she usually goes to the doctor right away. She's 17 and fully deaf in her left ear. But right now, she can't see her audiologist. That's because her insurance is no longer accepted where her doctor works. It's difficult to communicate at home because, you know, I come from a hearing family where nobody knows sign. So I can't hear. It just is frustrating because, you know, you can't communicate. Silverman, her siblings, and her parents all struggle with a lot of medical issues. For years, they've seen specialists at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, or UMMC, on Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance. But in April, UMMC's contract with the insurer expired. Since then, the hospital has been out of network and Silverman's family could be on the hook for massive medical bills. Where I live is a small place. You have limit, you have very limited number of options for doctors. Silverman is one of thousands of patients caught in the middle of a showdown between two big players. UMMC is Mississippi's only level one trauma center and children's hospital, so it wants a lot more money from Blue Cross for its services. Blue Cross Blue Shield is the largest commercial insurer in the state and doesn't think the hospital should get a significant raise. Policyholders are essentially stuck in limbo with insurance they can't use at the hospital. Since UMMC dropped the insurer before the open enrollment period, many patients weren't able to switch plans. Health economist Amanda Stark said that was no accident. Well, the hospital's negotiating leverage comes from the fact that they're essentially a monopoly. What might the enrollees do if they don't have access to that monopoly hospital in their network? Well, they're going to switch insurance plans, and that puts pressure on Blue Cross Blue Shield. Blue Cross Blue Shield has some leverage here, too. Since they are the state's largest insurer, UMMC stands to lose a big patient base. 
These types of disputes happen all the time and across the country when hospitals and insurers battle on who is paying for what and how much. But Stark says what's rare about this case is that it's gone on for so long and impacted so many people. Patients are actually being harmed. Normally, we don't let it get to the point where any patients are being harmed. I'm mad at both of them. Let's just make that clear. Not happy with either one of them. Mississippi Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney is the guy who handles consumer issues with insurance companies. He says his department has begged both parties to move quickly. This should have never happened. You put the lives of thousands of Mississippians on the line simply because of money. He says he helped them find a mediator back in July. But in October, the official mediation process was terminated, although Cheney says both parties are mediating informally. The Gulf States newsroom obtained emails to the insurance department from patients who say they were turned away for their critical care or suggested massive upfront fees. That makes Cheney angry because UMMC gets some money from the state. You know, it should be a moral and ethical obligation of the University Medical Center not to tell people we're not going to treat you, we don't care if you die, that's wrong. And he thinks Blue Cross Blue Shield could be in trouble too because their customers are paying them for specialty services that they can't actually get right now. The hospital and the insurer both refuse to do interviews. UMMC emailed a statement saying they've been telling patients about other options. Blue Cross says it's working to find the best solution for its policyholders. Patients like Silverman continue to struggle. Her mother, Jessica Slade, says this challenge on top of recent abortion bans and hospital closures is making her question whether to stay in Mississippi at all. Okay, so you're in the car? And some of her friends have already left. Yep, we're in the car, on our trip, moving out of Mississippi. We're free. We're medical refugees. That's Natasha Zinda. Her son likely has autism and was working with doctors at UMMC on his diagnosis. But since the contract dispute began, she hasn't been able to go. So she moved to a town just outside of Chicago. And I know that we're not probably the first people that are leaving because of this, and we won't be the last. And Slade has decided she's going to follow her friend out of the state. It's not fair. It's a common thing in Mississippi healthcare that it's not about us. It's not about the patients. And really, this, the contract issue is just par for the course. Slade hopes this move will take her to a place where her family's health care needs are a priority and that her children aren't caught in the middle of two groups simply fighting over money. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Shalina Chatlani. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Coming up, a mentorship and community support program focuses its efforts on raising young black youth. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The U.S. and the Holocaust documentary started a conversation about our country's role in a dark passage of human history, inviting us to consider how world events might shape or reveal our national character. Continue the conversation with us on November 15th at our virtual screening of scenes from the U.S. and the Holocaust, followed by a panel discussion with audience Q&A. The event is free, but registration is required. Visit mpbonline.org for details and to register. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. 
Mark MacArthur is a retired Marine who came back to his hometown of Jackson to care for his ailing mother. Upon his return, he observed a number of cracks in his community and began making it his mission to engage and support young black males in need of guidance. In part one of our conversation, MacArthur shares how his military training has informed his community activism. There has to be accountability for those who are violent. Um, we need the police. Uh, one of the gravest mistakes was, was the, 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 the term defund the police. And I don't want to get political, but we need police. We need good police. You cannot. <laughs> Thomas Hobbes didn't like the police or, or, or governmental structures who wrote Leviathan, which constructed the social contract theory. We have to respect each other. We have to be, you know, it's the golden rule again. Um, we need the police, though. We need better policing. And if we're going to talk about funding, we need to fund the police to where I think there's a program in Atlanta. I don't think there is a program in Atlanta that has, and this is what's going on in the black community as well. They have special policing uh, agents who deal with mental health. There is a uh, there are all kinds of drugs out here on the street that may contribute to that. Uh, there are food deserts that uh, our kids are not getting properly fed in uh, underserved communities. Uh, there are no uh, grocery stores that sell quality food in, in underserved communities. But what you will have, just the other day I looked in this community in particular that I live, there's, 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 there's three McDonald's within a three-mile radius. You live in Jackson. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There needs to be an education, uh, educational system about not just the, the, the health problems that, that, that uh, processed foods or, or, or health uh, uh, food deserts uh, contributing to the health and well-being of, of, of our community. Uh, all of these things factor into to, to some of these kids and the way that they act sometimes. Uh, there's, a, there's a big mental health problem. Uh, you can actually call it PTSD with some of the children that I see every day. And what do you do with the kids in your neighborhood? Now, I understand that you're a Marine Corps veteran. You served 25 years. Is that correct? I did. Uh, you worked um, with the Obama administration. Tell, Give us an idea of your background. Well, I did 25 years in the Marine Corps. The last few years, I, I ended as a career recruiter. Um in 2011, uh, an initiative was brought out to increase diversity among officer recruiting. Um, having gone to college up to that point and having served as an officer selection officer assistant in Baton Rouge, I was a perfect choice. Um, but when I got there, I had to also work with nonprofits around the country. So looking at things from a 20,000, 50,000-foot uh, ceiling, on the, the rest of the um, nation, I saw programs that actually worked that addressed real problems. And that's where I kind of fell in love with diversity. And when I say diversity, I'm not just meaning black and white. I meant, I mean, uh, women uh, fall under that, 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 that umbrella as well. So I fall for a lot of causes and I fell in love with 
giving people exposure like I had when I was younger. And I think that if kids were to be exposed to things outside of what they see every day, um, that helps. It helps tremendously. Uh, if you look at uh, the organization uh, Black, uh, 100 Black Men of America, their motto is that they see it, they'll be it. Well, if you look outside every day and you see bad things, then there's a, there's a real good chance that you're going you're gonna to be a product of your environment. Not everybody, but there's a greater propensity for you to be, to, to be a bad actor at some point. But if you're given something different, if you have a dream and you were able to meet that person and say, hey, how did you get there? And they give you the building blocks. Okay, you have to do this first. Uh, case in point, if I'd known that I could get into the Naval Academy in the ninth grade to be a pilot, I would have started doing it in the eighth grade. I would have started making those things happen in the eighth grade. You know, <laughs> and my parents would have helped me. The lack of information and the lack of resources prevent young black men from doing it. And this is why we have what we have today. So what did you learn that you are bringing back to Mississippi because you came back because your mother was ill and has since passed in our condolences. But you told me previously that that has kept you here, the desire to help the community. What informed you? What are you doing? What did you learn that you are bringing to the community of Jackson? Exposure. When I first got back here, the tremendous, overwhelmingly tremendous thing that I realized was was apathy. I'd never seen, or at least I didn't remember up to, now you go away and you come back. <laughs> and things look different, they look smaller. Um, there was overall lack of wanting to do anything. Uh, apathy um, and a defeatist attitude. And you say, well, hey, I'd meet someone with a GED and says, okay, well, will you, do you plan to go to college? Or do you plan to you know, do whatever? You don't necessarily have to go to college to be successful. And they just didn't know the next step. And it was so funny. If you just point them in the right direction, they're taking it wrong with it. So what I bring back is working at the national level, working around some of the most professional, intellectual people who are willing to also get up and run a marathon at a, at a, at a, at a moment's notice, uh, push your mind in a different place. It push your willingness to do in a different place. Uh, I have a neighbor. Uh, who the father is not in their, the, the little boy's lives. And she's having a rough rough go at it with these kids. Um, so she, in desperation, she, she came to me and was like, I can't do anything. And we have what's called in boot camp, and it's kind of funny. Um, you can push yourself physically to where it affects you mentally and emotionally. So did you see that and, in boot camp or something? Absolutely. Not just boot camp, just the Marine Corps as a whole. You know, it's, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's, it's kind of different when you wake up next to people who who are willing to go to the extreme <laughs> levels of physicality and, 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 and mental capacity to, to for fun. You know what I mean? I don't want to make it look like we were just a bunch of a horde of um, a genius, you know, <laughs> coming at people, but. There is a difference being in an environment where everybody wants to succeed and everybody wakes up every morning to make themselves better than, than what they were yesterday at an extreme level. If I could, uh, David Goggins has become famous for, you know, the Navy SEAL who wrote, uh, he's wrote a couple of books now, but he became um, 
famous for running a 100-mile ultramarathon. And the owner of the Atlanta Hawks visited, uh, asked him to come to his home. And I want to know what this, because I think he ran the whole thing with uh, a half of it at least, with a fracture in his foot. Uh, I think he had liver failure. There was a couple of things. It was a crazy story. But he, there's a, there's a, there's a mechanism in your mind that just kicks in to just keep going. And if you could somehow translate that over to these kids, that I don't think they're getting nowadays. You know, it's, it's one thing to be around a successful person and say, well, I'm just going to mimic that person. But to, to, to have that person mentor that child and say, hey, this is how you take step one all the way up to graduation, and this is what you do after graduation, I'm going to watch over you until then, um, that makes a difference. More from community activist Mark MacArthur tomorrow. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.